has given me shorter notice than that before. You remember that Sunday I had spoken on Isaiah 53, the prior Sunday, and I was well prepared for that, had a slideshow and everything. And then he called me up Saturday night and he said, I need you to speak Sunday morning, the next Sunday. And I had nothing. I was ready, sort of kind of, you know, from normal studies, but I had nothing. I had a 12-hour notice. That was it. <laughs> I'm privileged to be able to speak and share with you to this evening. And uh, if you go ahead and go to John chapter 3 with me, go ahead and turn there. As you see on the screen, first of all, what a great message by Pastor Arnold this morning, right? And it kind of, it'll kind of go hand in hand with what I'm going to talk about with regards to the believer, the two natures in a believer. And um, I believe this is a very important topic because, especially in the work I do with the YouTube ministry, I see a lot of confusion surrounding the two natures in a believer, the flesh nature and the spirit nature. So I'm going to have a slideshow up here so you can see we're going to walk through it slowly, carefully. We're going to flesh some of these things out because I believe, aside from understanding the gospel clearly, that's the main thing, understanding the gospel, what it is, what it is not, what a person has to do to be saved. Aside from that, I would argue that this is the most or one of the most important doctrines to understand in the Bible. I believe it's, it's fleshed out um, uh, picturally through in the, Old, in the Old Testament, but predominantly in the New Testament, we see uh, the majority of the authors, they talk about it. Jesus himself talks about the two natures in the believer. So we're going to explain those, flesh it out, and uh, I hope you take notes because we're going to go through a few passages here and you can write some of these things down. And so before we continue the slides, uh, a lot of people on YouTube, they confuse the flesh and the spirit nature and they make it into something that it's not. They um, make out the flesh to be weaker. They make the spirit out to be stronger. They say things like the spirit will take over in a believer and they confuse how you get the spirit. If you can lose the spirit, what the spirit does how it works, and there, there's a lot of confusion in this area, but when these two are understood properly in their place and how they work against one another, then we can understand uh, the Christian life a lot better. We can understand the Bible a lot better and, and how to interpret it correctly. So I'm going to, on the top for these next few slides, you'll see the top is going to be with reference to the Spirit. Now, not to be confused with uh, what I would refer to as the Holy Spirit. When the believer trusts Christ as Savior, you are regenerated. You have a new spirit within you, and the Holy Spirit also indwells you. These are two distinct elements. You have a new nature within you. You have the flesh nature, which is born from your parents. We'll discuss that, born from mom and dad. You're born into this world with a flesh nature. When you believe in Christ as Savior, you are born again with a spirit nature, and these two are distinct. You have the spirit and the flesh, it is sometimes referred to the Spirit as the new man, I believe Colossians, and the old man refers to the flesh, new man, old man. You can see one is already positive, one is already negative, and it's, it's a constant dichotomy that you see. They're opposed one toward another, hence the colors. The new birth and the old birth, right? The old birth would be from mom and dad. You're born into this world with a sinful fleshly nature. And you have that everyone in the world who has ever lived and will ever live has a flesh nature. It is your old birth from mom and dad. The new birth is when you are born again. When you trust Christ as Savior, you're born again, the Spirit. It is called the first birth, the flesh, the second birth, the Spirit. And as again I said, the flesh is from your parents, whereas the Spirit is born from God. And so, before I continue, like I said, there's a lot of confusion with these two ideas. They make the flesh into something uh, less or more than it is, and they make the spirit into something less or more than it is. And I'm going to give a few examples. This will be a little bit of uh, Trentology, the words, the terms I use. They're not found in the Bible, but it's uh, four ideas of what I've come up with, uh, what people explain these to be, right? What they think these do in the life of a believer and, and how they combat or how one may take over the other. You'll see. My first example is, these are called supposed ideas, okay? I call it morphed, okay? Pay attention here. It says, this is what people believe, in my opinion, what I've concluded. The flesh is changed to be less sinful 
due to the spirit birth in the believer. And the believer is some percentage less sinful. This is an idea that I've seen a lot on YouTube, that when a person believes in Christ as Savior, they say, well, yes, you have a flesh and a spirit, but your flesh changes somewhat. And your spirit is it, 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 like they morph together, and it's as though the spirit is somehow stronger. Instead of them being two separate ideas, they say these two morph together, and the spirit's going to be stronger. And so you as a believer in Christ, you will be a better person. You will have good works. The flesh is going to be weaker. But we see that it's not the case in Scripture. We see a different view. But they, they kind of mix these up. I think of like a, like a Hulk-type creature, okay? Like this, just this crazy creature where these two ideas are morphed together, and, but they're, they're one stronger. That's that idea of morphing the flesh and the spirit together. The spirit's going to be stronger at the end of the day. This is what some people look at this idea as. I call this one the eradicated supposed idea. And this is the idea that some people think it's a minority, I would say. The flesh is completely eradicated or changed, and the spirit takes over. The believer does not sin much or at all. Now, a lot of you are probably like, that's crazy. Nobody believes that. There's people that believe that. That when you trust Christ as Savior, you lose the birth from mom and dad, which, think about it. I'm standing here. My, my sin, it's tied to this body. I have to die, right? For the wages of sin is death. I'd have to die for the Spirit to take over, right? We're not perfect. We still have this body. But some people think that when you trust in Christ as Savior, when you believe in the gospel, that the Spirit ultimately takes over and it's, it's so much stronger. And so the whole flesh, is, it's, it's eradicated 90 to 100%. This is what some people think. I call this one the dependent view. You have two natures, and they're opposed, but the believer must serve the Spirit to be saved in the end of it all. This is probably the most popular idea. More emphasis on works. So this is an idea that you, it's not just believing, right? It's not just believing in Christ. You have to also serve, and then at the end of your life, you'll see if you're saved. And you really have to work to serve that Spirit. Walk in the Spirit is a part of their uh, gospel message, essentially. And this is that idea of being dependent. And so they, they put the believer in a position where you then have to serve the Spirit to be saved in the end of, the, end of it all. And again, I said these are Trentology ideas, right? This is kind of just words I uh, crafted for you to get a better understanding, but these ideas are all over YouTube. And, and when I talk to people, for example, I have a friend named Mike who, um, he's a Calvinist, and I, I work with him at FedEx. And it's kind of funny how uh, someone at work who... They know what I believe. They don't believe anything what I believe. I've shared the gospel with them. But they were like, hey, you should go talk to this new guy, Mike. He's a, he's a pastor like you. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I went to go talk to him, and I found out, well, he's a Calvinist. And part of his, uh, obviously, he accepts all the Calvinist beliefs. And, you know, he would say that trusting Christ as Savior is how you get to heaven. But he believes in kind of the morphed idea, and the next one we'll talk about, where the Spirit will work in the believer, and you'll essentially be more righteous than before you believed. Like, you will. There's no option. There's, no, there's, there's, there's a battle, but essentially the Spirit will tug you along in a way. And so he has kind of a, in my opinion, a messed up view of this doctrine of the flesh and the Spirit. And I think this drags a lot of people down in their interpretation of the Scripture and understanding even of salvation when they mess up this idea. And we're going we're gonna to flesh these things out, and you'll, you'll see why I bring up these views. But that one is the dependent where people think you have to serve, walk in the Spirit to be saved in the end of it all. And this one is called the fruitful supposed idea. This is where you have both natures present. They're opposed one to another. You have the flesh born from mom and dad. You have the Spirit born of God. But the Spirit will eventually take over, and the emphasis is on the fruit. This is very similar to the first idea, okay, and where... People will look and see how much fruit do you have in your life to determine, this is kind of what the Calvinist thinks a lot, to determine if you were ever saved to begin with, okay? They look at the fruit in your life and, and the works in your life, and you see, and that'll say, well, yeah, you have the Spirit and this and that. And so, but essentially, all four of these ideas really go hand in hand. They all put the emphasis on the believer's works, or into the non-believer's works. They put the emphasis on works rather than believing in Christ. 
And they put an emphasis on the spirit uh, taking over and, and the spirit being stronger in some way and somehow. I reject that idea. I reject it wholesale. I reject it because I know believers in my life who completely do not serve God. I would not look at them and tell them you're going to hell then. There are people who teach this doctrine that if, if you have a, someone who says, yes, they call it a profession of faith. Yes, I have believed in Christ as my Savior, that he died on the cross, was buried, he rose again, he paid for all my sins, I'm going to heaven. They believe that, and they even say they believe that. But there's people that will look at their life, of these people that say that, and because they don't emulate the Spirit, any works, any good at all, they'll look at that person and say, well, you're going to hell. That's a messed up view. That's a corrupt view of this idea of first salvation and the flesh and the Spirit. So we need to understand these things. Continuing. These all never keep the flesh completely sinful, and they never keep the Spirit completely righteous because of the idea that the Spirit will kind of take over. But one question I like to ask people that believe these ideas is, you know, if the Spirit's going to take over a person, then does that mean that God is okay with occasional sinning? Do you follow, do you follow the line of thinking? Because in my mind, if the Spirit's going to take over and control my life, then he'd have to go the fullest extent. Because God does not sin, the Spirit does not sin, Jesus did not sin, and if he's going to take over my life, then would I not therefore, no, wouldn't I therefore no longer sin? And so if if it's just a little bit that he takes over my life, may remember with the morphed idea, some percent, right? If it's just a little bit, then you're saying that the Spirit is okay with a little bit of sin in my life. You would have to admit that. You would have to. That God is okay with occasional sinning. Yeah, they'll say like, you won't murder anymore. You won't commit adultery, even though, even though, if you study the Scripture carefully, Jesus, James, John... Murder and adultery up here. I don't, no one, no one is found guiltless. Everyone needs to be honest. No one is guiltless. Murder and adultery in the mind. You hate your brother, you've committed murder. Lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery. You've thought about it. But they say, yeah, you won't do those things anymore, but you, know, you, you, you still sin, right? So there, it's like God is okay with occasional sinning in the life of a believer. But that's the idea of the flesh is never completely sinful and the spirit is never completely righteous. So we'll continue on. You'll see more on that. These all rely upon man's ability to earn salvation or prove his salvation by his spiritual living. So part of my um, discussion tonight to you about these ideas is to show you how a bad view of this idea of flesh and spirit in Scripture also corrupts your view of salvation. If you have a healthy view of these things, then it'll, it, it makes it clear for salvation as well. Because people will say, you know, if you have more flesh in your life than spirit, you're not saved. Or if you don't have the fruit in your life of the spirit, then you're not saved if you haven't proven it right. Because they all re rely upon man's ability to earn his salvation or prove his salvation by the way you live. And this is what a lot of people talk about on YouTube and a lot of people I talk to. And Mike, my friend who I've talked to him, he says, or one of our last conversations, he boiled it down to this. He says that someone who has believed in Christ as Savior, he believes in the death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, paid for all the sins of all, all, the, all this person's sins. They trusted in Christ. Mike said this, my friend, and I don't say this to degrade him, I love the man, but this is what he said. He said, there will be a change in this person's life. There will be. And so we let's think about that. There is a change. You're like, well, there is a change. But what do you mean, Trent? What do you mean? Well, there's like 75 things that happen to the believer when they believe in Christ, right? You receive eternal life. You're born again. You're sealed with the Spirit. Remember, those two are distinct ideas. You have your regenerated Spirit and the Holy Spirit. You're going to heaven when you die. You're now rewarded as a believer. God, he, you're his child, right? There's a thousand, there's, there's so many changes that happen to you, but you yourself, are, you still have the opportunity to choose whether or not you will walk in your fleshly sinful nature or if you will walk in your spiritual nature. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. You still have those two options 
to choose from. But a lot of people think that somehow this spirit nature is going to take over and grab you and pull you a certain direction, and God's going to, going to yank you this direction. But we're going to see how that's not true, because that turns salvation on its head into a workspace view, especially in the Calvinist thinking. This is the truth, okay? This is where we're going to flesh it out, and we're going to look at the scripture. This is the truth. The flesh is completely sinful, completely sinful. The spirit is completely righteous. It cannot sin. The flesh can sin because you're born from mom and dad who are sinners. We're all the way back to Adam. We sin. The spirit cannot sin because it's born of God. If it's born of God, it can't sin. It cannot die. It's going to heaven when, it die. when, when, when we die. It'll go to heaven. The spirit's righteous. The believer has the fullness of both inside. So you've believed in Christ as your Savior. You believe that he died on the cross, paid for your sins, was buried, rose again. All your sin got paid. You believe that message. He did it for you. You receive the Spirit. You now have the flesh nature. From mom and dad, you were born that way. But you now have a spirit nature within you from God. And you have both of them inside you. One does not take over the other. One is not gone. He's not kicked out of you. I'm still here standing. My flesh is still here. We're going to look at John 3. Let's see what the Scripture says. And you'll, you'll get a more well-rounded understanding of some of these things. You'll get a better idea of why I brought up the false views of the flesh and the spirit. John 3, look with me now, verse 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, if you're wondering, that's kind of like saying truthfully, truthfully. Or as Pastor Freddie Coyle likes to say, I want you to have assurance, I want you to have assurance. I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Note that. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? What's the answer? No, not at all. <laughs> that would be crazy. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. And verse 8 is where we'll end. And this verse is very interesting. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. I find that verse to be very interesting. You don't see the Spirit. More on that later. Now, with that thought in mind, before we break that down, I want you to go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. These parallel alongside with one another. It's the same author. Would you believe it? 1 John 3, verses 1 through 10 as well. I wonder if that was inspired. No. <laughs> Nope, chapters, verses, not inspired. Verse 1 of 1 John 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Pause. John is talking to believers in Christ. Okay, He's not talking to unsaved people. The book of 1 John is not to unsaved people telling them how to go to heaven. He's talking to believers in Christ. Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested, that means made known, to take away our sins. This is Jesus he's referring to. And in him is no sin. Verse 6. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. 
little children. Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Now, with John 3 and 1 John 3 in mind, let's see, let's break this down a little bit. I put it simply. I put uh, what is in the scriptures found in quotes here, okay? So the flesh. Let's break this down. And we read John 3 and 1 John 3, and there's a dichotomy that's being presented within the context of what Jesus and what John is talking about. Born of water does not mean water baptism in the context of John 3. It means born from mom, okay? It's not talking about being water baptized. Jesus does not say, if you can't see that, I apologize. It's a little small. But Jesus does not say you have to get water baptized and born of the Spirit to be saved, okay? Water baptism is a picture of what has already taken place when you believed in Christ. Born of water means you're born from mom and dad. The flesh cannot see the kingdom of God. The flesh is the part of you that will not see the kingdom of God. The flesh is the part of you that commits sin and transgresses the law. So if you're taking notes, if you're comparing John 3 with 1 John 3, this this opposing view is happening. You're you're, going to see separation from this idea of the one that is born of the devil, the one that is born of God, the one that sins, the one that cannot sin. The flesh is of the devil. The flesh loveth not his brother, because it's not of God. When you're born into this world, all you have is a flesh nature. This flesh nature of yours is not good. Romans 3 rings true. There's none good. No, not one. They don't seek after God. They don't love God. They want nothing to do with God. It's completely sinful. There's no good in you. The only thing that you can possibly do is believe in Christ to receive the Spirit. And the Spirit is not the same as the flesh. These two ideas are different. The Spirit is the part that is born again of the Holy Spirit. You're regenerated. You get a new nature inside of you. The Spirit is the part of you that will see the kingdom of God. The Spirit is the part of you that abides in Him and cannot sin. It is of God. It's the part of you that loves His brother. Why? Because it's born of God. So when we go in 1 John 3, look there closely here. Look at 1 John 3 with me in verse 6. It says, Whosoever abideth in Him sinneth not. This is where, look at me, this is where you have to like, when you look at Trent, okay, and you see that verse, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. You can't look at Trent now and say, you, you can't sin anymore. That's not what it's saying. Okay, whosoever abides in him, I do not always abide in Christ. I'll be an honest man and tell you, I still sin. But there's a part of me, the Spirit, that does always abide in Christ. It cannot sin because it's born of God. My flesh does not abide in Christ. It is sinful. It is wicked. It is against God. So there are two parts in you as a believer in Christ that are against one another. We'll see that in Galatians later. They're against one another. They're opposed. And the Spirit is born of God and it cannot sin. Verse 6 continued, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Your sin nature, your flesh nature, does not know God because it is not born of God. You think of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We won't go there. But you know how it says, uh, we shall not all sleep, we won't all die, but we shall all be changed. You know that scripture in your mind referring to the rapture, right? Well, there's a point in your life where you could either die and go to heaven or you'll be changed and go to heaven. Your body, your sinful flesh, will not see the kingdom of God. Your body doesn't go to heaven. When we go up there, Trent's going to look a lot different. You won't see me like this. Your body is not going to go. You get a new body that will not sin. It cannot sin and it cannot die. It's going to reside in heaven. This is the difference between the flesh and the spirit. I hope you're seeing some of these tying together. Look again at verse uh, now 7. 
Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born... Notice this. Whosoever is born of God. Which is that? Flesh or spirit? Spirit. Spirit. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, very interesting. I showed this once before. I don't have a slide for it. If you look at the ESV, the NIV, the NASB, the, almost every other translation, they do not translate it this way. I think that's completely demonic. I mean, this blows my mind how different the translation of 1 John 3 is. I've talked to Pastor Jesse about this. They say he does not practice sin. He does not continue to sin or does not willfully sin. That's not what my Bible says. It says he does not commit sin. The Spirit cannot do one single act of sin. It's a totally different Greek word here. He doesn't do one single act of sin. Your flesh is sinful. The Spirit, your spirit is not sinful. It cannot sin. It's born of God. Notice this in the middle of verse 9. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin Why? Because he is born of God. Think about this. Think about our Savior himself. When he was born into the world, the virgin birth, it had to be that way. Joseph could not be his father. It had to be through Mary and from the Spirit because Jesus, one, he needed a body, but it couldn't be a sinful body. If he came through Joseph, he would have just been a sinner like you and I. He needed Mary and the Holy Spirit implanted the seed into her womb. And when he was born, he had a body, but it was a body that could not sin. He was born of God. And that is why Jesus could be the Savior. But you and I, when we're born, we're just born from mom and dad. We have our flesh. And so for us to have the Spirit, we have to believe in Christ. The Spirit. It's born of God. Continuing. And like I've said about three times now, how to receive the Spirit, you believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and is risen again to pay for all of your sins. And Jesus, in John 3, lays this out very clearly to Nicodemus, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, that he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hasn't believed. So anyone who believes in Christ as Savior, that is how you receive the Spirit. And that is how now you are put in a position where now you have the flesh and now you have the Spirit. And these two are contrary the one to the other. Unbelievers only have a flesh nature. This is born of their parents. They only have a flesh nature. So when you came into this world, you only had your flesh nature. Your flesh nature, unbelievers, cannot please God. And we'll look at Romans 8 in a few here. But it says that they they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Even in the life of a believer, this is something I've I've come to really uh, hone in on recently. Anytime you serve your flesh, anytime you sin, anytime you walk not in the spirit, but in the flesh, anytime you're doing these things, those are condemnable acts. Not meaning you're going to go to hell, but anytime you're walking in sin, you're not pleasing God. You're not doing what he says. And this is what a lot of the New Testament writers try to tell you. Walk in the spirit that you should not fulfill the flesh of the flesh. You're supposed to pretend like that guy's dead. You're not supposed to walk according to that nature. But he's still there. But unbelievers, they cannot please God at all. This is why, this is the very reason why the unbeliever cannot work his way to heaven because he cannot do anything to please God. The only way for him to go to heaven is to believe in the one that satisfied the wrath of God on the cross. That's the only way it works. So once they believe, they receive the spirit that can please God. I hope you're seeing this. I hope you're seeing the line get drawn and in your mind you're seeing, okay, this is, this is the flesh, this is the spirit. I should do it the other way. I've been pointing fle- spirit that way and flesh that way, right? But the flesh, unbelievers, they only have it, therefore they cannot please God. They are considered children of the devil. Even in the life of a believer, when you're doing sinful things, when you're walking in your flesh, you are working right in line with Satan himself. 
John 8, 44, if you want to turn there, I'll read it real quick. If you want to write it down or turn there, you can. Ye are of your father the devil. He's talking to the Pharisees here. Jesus is. You're of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Wow. Children of the devil, they cannot see the kingdom of God. So there's a few places in Scripture, we'll look at one in a a few, there's a few places in Scripture that say, uh, it'll list off a whole bunch of sins, adultery, fornication, murder, lasciviousness, enviousness, the whole list of sins, it's just like right there. There's one in 1 Corinthians 6, Galatians 5, Revelation has one. It lists a whole bunch of sins right there, and it says, those that do such things cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And the people who believe in those four false views, they'll look at you and I and say, if you're doing those things, if you're, if you're continually practicing those things, you're not going to heaven. That's what they say. This is a bad understanding of the flesh and the spirit view. This is a bad understanding. He's not saying that you, the whole person, are going to hell. He's saying the part, the part of you that does those things is your flesh nature. What did I just explain using 1 Corinthians 15? Your body, your flesh, your sinful nature does not go to heaven. The spirit goes. Your new nature in Christ goes to heaven. Your body will not. This is why those that do such things cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Those that do those things. He's not talking about your new spirit. He's not talking about the part of you that goes to heaven when you die. He's talking about your body of flesh. You can do those things, and God sure does hate it when you do them. But that part of you is going to be die. He's going to die. He's going to die. He's going to be buried in the grave. The bugs are going to eat him. But the part of you that goes to heaven is your spirit. You see that line? You see that line being drawn? Till they believe. I put that in at the end there. Till they believe. Now this is about believers. Have both natures. And the flesh does not change. That list of sins that's given is in the context, especially in um, 1 Corinthians 6, And in Galatians 5, it's in the context where Paul is talking to believers. He's talking to these believers about the sins that they could commit. They could do all of these things. And he's saying, especially to Corinth, don't do them, even though you're doing them right now, but don't do that because those things are not going to go to heaven. God is not pleased with those things. Walk in the Spirit. You're born of God. He says you're washed. You're justified. You're sanctified. So why are you doing those things? That's the message. But the believer has both natures. The flesh doesn't change. He's still just as sinful as day one. You just now have a new spirit within you. Believers have the spirit and they can please God. How do you please God? How do you love God? Do what he says. Keep his commandments. Do what he says. How do you keep his commandments to do what he says? Well, know his word and walk in the spirit by doing what his word says to do. That's how you please God. We'll skip Hebrews eleven six, but if you want to mark that down for now. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. How did I say you get the spirit, right? You have to believe in Christ as Savior, whereby you receive the spirit. That's faith, whereby you can please God. They can see the kingdom of God. Why? Because they believed in Christ as Savior, whereby they now have the spirit. Now let's take a look at Galatians 5. Galatians 5. I cannot believe how fast time flies when you're preaching. Jesse, how do you do it? I don't know. Galatians 5, look at verse 16. Galatians 5 makes it um, really clear, okay? I hope I haven't gone too fast to make it confusing for anyone. I'm trying to draw a line, and I'm trying to make these two things distinct. I'm trying to put them in their proper place. That the flesh is completely sinful and the spirit is completely righteous. One only sins. One cannot sin. One is born from mom and dad. You're born in this world. It's what you're born with physically. One is born of God and it cannot sin. It's going to heaven when you die. Galatians 5, 16 through 23. Let's read it quickly here. This I say then. Now this is two believers. The region of Galatia, they were saved individuals he was writing to. This I say then, walk in the spirit... And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh 
lusteth desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, he's going to explain that verse 18 later. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. They're made known. You ready? Which of these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Did you get all that? <laughs> Put on my best Yankee impression there. He talks fast sometimes. You ever hear him read Romans chapter 7? That which I do. Never. Of the which I've also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What are all those things tied to? The flesh. Does it say the Spirit does those things? No. What does the Spirit have? Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. All those things listed for the flesh, the sinful acts, those are condemned. Those are the things that you will not carry with you into heaven because your flesh doesn't go to heaven. The Spirit goes to heaven. And the Spirit only carries along with it the deeds of righteousness. The fruit, the things that it does is only righteous. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's no law against those things. There's nothing against those. It can only do righteousness. This is why Paul says, walk in the spirit that you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a command. It is fully possible for you and I, as a believer in Christ, to do the fullness, listen to me closely, it'll be a shame, but it is fully possible for you and I, as a believer in Christ, to do the fullness of your flesh nature. If you're an honest person, you'll agree with that statement. If you're an honest person, you and I know. I don't know all the sins you've done. You don't know all the sins I've done. But if we're honest with ourselves, we can completely walk in our flesh nature. And there are some days where we probably do. We really do. I'll I'll be the first to say it. I mess up. I mess up. This is why we can't look at people who don't have the Spirit and tell them, get it right so you can go to heaven. This is why we don't look at people who may have believed or not, but they think they're saved and say, well, keep on because you need, you need X amount of fruit in your life to just make sure, to, make sure you're saved, right? You got to have that amount of fruit, right? Don't just be one of those Lord, Lord, easy believism people, right? You, ha- you got to have the works to prove that you're actually saved to know that you're actually justified. No, 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 no. We don't confuse it. You get the Spirit by faith alone and Christ alone, and now you have the freedom to choose whether or not you walk in the flesh or if you walk in the Spirit. And as we're going to read soon in Romans 8, if you walk in the flesh, you're not pleasing God. If you walk in the Spirit, you're pleasing God because you're doing what He says. And there's nothing against walking in the Spirit. Everything God hates, let me rephrase, God hates when we walk in the flesh. He hates that. This is real simple. Draw that line, compare these ideas, and you as a believer make a choice. Who will you serve? Very simple. The flesh is all of those things. We just read it. Adultery. The flesh (laughs) will not go to heaven. I made this point earlier. Hence the new bodies. Jesse likes to do this a lot. He's like, I'm not going to have this body anymore. He's ready to fly right now, right? The flesh will not go to heaven. It can't go to heaven. Your spirit goes to heaven and you'll get a new body. That's what 1 John uh, verses 1 through 3, right? He says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and we don't know what it's going to look like, but we know that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We've got new bodies where we, can, we will be able to fellowship with Christ just as he is, and we'll be the same. The fruit of the Spirit is those things, and there's no law against it. We just read that. Your spirit will go to heaven. It cannot sin. It is born of God. It cannot sin. It cannot die. It will not have to suffer the second death. It can't go to hell. This is the reason you cannot go to hell. You have the Spirit, you're regenerated, you'll go to heaven. Now, let's look at Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. 
and verse 1, and we'll go through verse 13 here. Again, Romans chapter 8 is written to believers, and you'll see why in verse 1. In uh, Romans 7, Paul just got through saying he has this battle within himself. The things that I want to do, I don't do because my, my flesh, it wars against me. Things that I don't want to do, I do do them because I have my flesh and it's warring against me. But I still have the Spirit within me. Romans 8, 1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's a true statement that there's no condemnation to the believer, meaning they'll never go to hell. But the purpose of Romans 8 is the full verse there. And it's going to be fleshed out in the rest of the chapter. Context, context, context. Because a lot of preachers will go to verses uh, 12 through uh, 14 and, and, and make it, especially 13, and make it say something that it does not say. Notice, this is to believers. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who what? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Because every time you're walking in your flesh, you're doing things that are condemned of God. You're sinning. God hates it when you sin. When you walk in your flesh, those are condemnable acts. Those are the things for which Christ died. This is his point in chapter 6. Why would you do the things that Jesus died for? Because the wages of sin is death. Sin always brings death, nothing but death, death upon death, even for a believer. You could sin unto death. It's always death. But if you walk after the Spirit, there's no condemnation. And the passage is not going to go on to say that you have to walk in the Spirit or you're not saved. He's saying you as a believer, you have the flesh and you have the Spirit, so walk in the Spirit because there's no condemnation. You're going to heaven, so do these things. And there's more to that. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You can now please God. Verse 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, catch this, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You have a choice. You can walk in your flesh, and in doing so, you're minding the things of the flesh. You can walk in the Spirit, and in doing so, you're minding the things of the Spirit. One is not pleasing to God, one is pleasing to God. Verse 6 says, For to be carnally, or fleshly, minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Fleshly living always brings forth death. This, again, I cannot say it more. He's not saying, if you live in your flesh, you're going to go to hell. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, believer, anytime you sin, the results of sinning is always some form of death. It's always some form of destruction. Always. If I went and killed somebody, well, somebody literally died there, but I would have to suffer the consequences of it. There's nothing good that comes from my sin. Nothing, not at all. It put Jesus on a cross. Nothing good comes from it. But to be spiritually minded, look at the results. Life and peace. The results of walking in the Spirit is always life and peace. Because the carnal or the fleshly mind is enmity, that means it's against, it's at war against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. You see the line being drawn. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you... He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. That word quicken means make alive. Your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Pause there. He's saying, you're going to get a new body one day. You're going to have a new body. He's going to quicken you. You'll be raised and you'll be just like him. So 
don't be a debtor to the flesh, because verse 13, for if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Again, he's not saying if you live in the flesh, you're going to hell, and if you live in the Spirit, you're going to heaven. That's not even part of the discussion here. That's not even, that's not even the conversation. Just like James 2, that's not the conversation. All right, I talked about that many weeks ago. In James 2, he's not talking about going to heaven or hell. In Romans 8, he's not talking about going to heaven or hell. He's telling the believer, what are you going to do? Are you going to walk in the flesh or are you going to walk in the spirit? The results of fleshly living, death. The results of spiritual living, life and peace. Continuing on in the slides here, I think I have a couple more. Fleshly living, the believer is commanded to abstain from this. It's always condemned. The law points to sin and it condemns it. This is why we needed a savior. This is the very reason why you as a believer in Christ should not sin. We should war against that. We should walk in the Spirit. It always leads to death. In the context of what we just read, he's not talking about salvation from heaven and hell. It's not even in the conversation. The flesh is considered dead. And we have a new body coming soon. That's, we're supposed to look to that future where we will have no more sin. We'll have a new body. And so the here and now, we're supposed to walk as though this sinful body is dead and gone. It's considered dead. I mean, that's a bit mind-boggling to think about, but it's, it's dead. And anything you do within that dead body is just death. <laughs> so walk in the spirit, walk in the newness, walk in the regenerated new spirit that you have. Because spiritual living, the believer is commanded to walk in the spirit. It's never condemned and there's no law against it. It always produces life and peace. And when you do so, you're mortifying the deeds of the body. You put to death those things, those fleshly things. Don't do those things, but walk in the Spirit. Life and peace are the results of that. I hope that gives you a little bit of a view of the proper understanding of the flesh and spirit. What does not happen in the life of a believer are those ideas that I mentioned. It it, it isn't where the spirit somehow becomes stronger or the flesh is gone, okay? That's not what the scripture advocates. The scripture shows us that as an unbeliever, all you have is your flesh. As a believer in Christ, you now have both. You have a new nature whereby you can serve God. But it's totally and completely up to you which you will choose to serve. Are you going to walk continually in your flesh or are you going to walk in the spirit? When you're doing one, you're not going to be doing the other. But it's totally up to you. So I hope that helps you a little bit. I hope you took some notes from that. You can close your Bibles. That is the two natures in a believer explained. And I hope that gives you some notes where you can go back over it and check it out. But I want to share with you how you can be one who possesses a new nature in Christ that cannot sin. And when you die, you'll go to heaven, whereby you have that new nature. How you can, be, how you can have eternal life. You can be born of God. You'll be a child of God. And you go to heaven whenever you die. Well, let this hand represent you and me and the whole world, and this will represent our sin. We all have sin on us. We're condemned. We have a sin nature. It cannot please God. We can't work our way to heaven. This sin nature, God doesn't like the sin. He loves people, but he doesn't like sin because our sin, this hand being God, separates us from God. It doesn't ever please God. Sin, he hates it. And it has a penalty that has to be paid. Because of our sin, we deserve to die and go to hell. Remember I said it always brings forth death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Because he wants us to go to heaven. He wants us to go there, but you notice we can't have this sin. It can't go to heaven. But we have it. And so God loved us and he wanted to make a way. But a lot of people think that you can somehow get rid of this sin or maybe sin less and somehow, you see, you still got it, right? Somehow you can squeak into heaven by, by somehow trying to pay off your sin on your own, but I'm sorry, you still have it because it's part of who you are. You're born from your parents. You have sin. You need a new nature that does not sin, whereby you can go to heaven when this guy dies physically, or you're raptured and it's changed. But we can't work for it. We can't earn it. We can't get to heaven on our own. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, came down from heaven. He is God he is born of God without a sin nature. Jesus Christ, he who had no sin, took all of our sin on himself, and he died for it. We deserve to die, but Jesus died for our sin. He was buried in the grave. He rose from the dead. All the sin that separated us from God 
he paid for it in full. And he said, anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, who died and paid for all of their sins, if you believe that he did that for you, you receive as a free gift everlasting life. And in that moment, you have eternal life. The moment you believe and you're born of God, you have a new nature that cannot sin and you will go to heaven whenever you die. Just by believing in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. And if you will believe that here in the audience, I think everyone's testified of that. But online, if you believe that, you receive everlasting life. Would you believe it right now? And one last thing before we pray. You as a believer, that wasn't just a message on trying to lay that out. There is a decision to be made. Will you walk in the flesh or will you walk in the spirit? Will you try to please God by walking in the spirit, by doing what he says to do? Or will we continue to walk in the flesh and those things never please God? They're always condemned. It's a fine line. It's a very clear line. You can choose completely. Whom you, like Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Let's pray. If there's anyone online who hasn't trusted Christ as Savior, would you believe in him right now? You could let us know that. You could email. You could click on the online page there. Say, yes, I trusted Christ as my Savior. Let us know that. That'd be an encouragement to us. But it's just by believing in what he did that he died and paid for all of your sins, was buried and rose again. You receive in that moment everlasting life. And you get a new nature in Christ. And you will go to heaven whenever you die. And for us believers, we think about making a decision to walk in the Spirit today because we fail, we falter, we still walk in our flesh. We're going to mess up, but let's strive toward the things of the Spirit. Let's strive toward pleasing God. Let's strive toward doing the things that are right and pleasing in His eyes. Witnessing, as Pastor Arnold talked about this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us with that because we still have our flesh nature and we mess up, we fumble the ball a lot. Help us to walk in the Spirit and to do the things that are pleasing to you. Thank you for um, helping me prepare for this sermon and, and uh, just thank you for what you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.